0: episode number 12 today we're going down under to australia to talk about employee theft in restaurants and bars
1: this is the crime school radio show where industry experts discuss the business of fighting crime and prevention strategies for making places safe Leading today's discussion is security expert, Chris McGoey.
0: Welcome to Crime School. Today's episode is from the category Ask Chris. I'm actually going to be a guest on someone else's show, this time from Sydney, Australia. So I have Ken Bergen on the line from Down Under. He operates a podcast show called Profitable Hospitality. His audience is restaurant and cafe owners, hotel and bar managers, chefs, and people in the hospitality industry. So today we have an excerpt from that show and my answers to his questions about reducing employee theft in restaurants and bars. I
1: hope you enjoy it. Today I'm talking to Chris McGowey. He's the crime doctor, and uh, we're talking about specifically how to reduce employee theft in restaurants. Great to have you here today, Chris. Hello, Ken. Glad to be here. So they call you in when they sort of suspicion or someone's been caught and they think it's worse than they originally suspected or what, what, what's the red flag that goes up that these groups would call you in for?
0: It's usually not the local level suspicion range. Typically, is they've had a very bad inventory and they're out millions of dollars and they don't know where it went. Uh-huh. And, and I got <laughs> that's called, a big red flag. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the big red flag. And, and oftentimes managers have already turned over two or three times. Uh, staff could be a, a handful of times. And so I basically do a investigation and, and try to help them get their arms around the loss and, uh-huh. and uh, try to help them develop systems, uh, not only to determine where the loss occurred, the genesis of it, but how to uh, detect it in the future before it happens and, and how to react faster.
1: Yeah. And I guess, uh, as someone who I presume eats out at, uh, restaurants and uh, cafes, uh, there's that micro level too. As a, as a customer, as I do, we sort of see a few little things that you, you see staff doing things that you think, ah, oh, the boss obviously isn't around or he's not, he's not watching. I was in a, uh, a restaurant in the pub. Uh, a few weeks ago in the evening and it was sort of the end of the, 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 the dinner service time and there was one, one young lady, one of the staff, you know, was taking her apron off and ready to go home and was walking out with a, a great big plate of food with the foil around it. It was obviously, you know, so-called leftovers in quotation marks, but uh, that's something that I'm always kind of interested in, the way there's a kind of a, a bit of a conspiracy amongst staff that uh, we're all kind of in this together.
0: You know, in our world, uh, we never stop watching. Uh, we never stop observing. Just to bring it close to home, the place where I go get my coffee every morning, it's a donut, mm-hmm. it's a donut shop. And I go quite early. I go four thirty, five 5 o'clock in the morning and get my coffee. And without fail, this employee does not ring up the coffee sale <laughs> every single And I know exactly what he's doing.
1: Yeah, He's yeah, not yeah.
0: ringing the sale. He's got to keep t- track of how much he's not ringing, that he's got to pocket the money. Yeah, and yeah. I finally gone to his boss because I know the owners, and I uh, informed on you know what I saw, what he's doing, and they understood perfectly. But they don't want to do anything about it because this is the, the fellow that makes their donuts and puts them out, and they can't. They believe they cannot survive without him being the donut maker too. So if they terminate around, right. and doing
1: and doing that graveyard shift as well,
0: yes. So this guy is, uh, believes that he gets away with it. I mean, I've noticed he's, he's bought a new car and uh, he dresses a little bit nicer. Yeah. Uh, but he's into them for quite a pretty penny. They don't want to do anything about it because they're afraid of losing a key employee.
1: Mm. It, it brings up a, a good point that I was going to raise a bit later, but let's, let's put it on the table now. You know, this kind of... Uh, the the um it's almost like a, a whole of business conspiracy in a way is you know the the kind of a feeling almost I wrote an article about it a while back, actually that the it's, it's like it's petty theft that it's somehow it's petty that it's kind of small it's food for friends it's drinks for friends it's this sort of uh, just a couple of coffees or probably more than a couple people just the the business owners just don't want to take that ex- extra step to do something about it.
0: You know, in a former life, I worked for the largest convenience store chain in the world, and I developed their uh, security and loss prevention programs. And when I started working for them, they called employee theft grazing. And they thought it was just a cost of doing business that the employees who would work on the shift might, you know, eat a candy bar, eat a sandwich, drink a soda. And that was just a normal uh, cost of doing business. And I had to very quickly clue them in as to the be thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars that have to add up to every year, and that's the tip of the iceberg. Once they have the green light to quote graze food, they're also going to be into your cash register and your pocketbook.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you hear of th- that word shrinkage in retail too. It all just sounds yeah. It sounds innocuous, but uh, it's when you multiply it by tens, hundreds, and thousands, it's uh, it's certainly not that. Let's, um, think about, uh, the, you know, the three areas I always think about in, um, hospitality. You know, we've got food, we've got beverage and we've got cash, you know, the three, three of life's essentials, not, not every single last essential, but the three big ones for most people. And, uh, you know, when there's weak secu- security and, um, stressed out owners and managers who aren't paying attention to things, it's, uh, it's happy days for some staff. Just tell us that you, your key thing that you say, and I've read uh, some of the great articles on your website, you talk about hiring, training, and supervision. Good procedures for those as kind of the keys to handling this. So could tell us more a bit about those three. Well, th- those are the, th- the three legs of the stool,
0: as it were. You have to do all three or the stool's gonna, not going to sit very well. It's not going to support your, your business. So if you pick up theft, I mean, it's, it's dishonesty. It's, it's an employee that can't be trusted. They come in a lot of varieties, a lot of sizes and shapes, and, and there's some employees that you hire that they've stolen from every job they've ever worked for. They fully intend to steal from you if you hire them. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's so bad that they may not be the person that they're rep- representing themselves to be. They could be submitting a false application with false credentials. It could be a friend of theirs. And if you're simply not checking references, you're going to handle. You're going to hire a John Doe or a Jane Doe.
1: It's actually Jane Smith. (laughs) Okay,
0: Jane Smith. Uh So, so hiring is your first line of defense, uh, if you will, uh, as far as screening thieves. Like a lot of other criminals, the best way to predict what they're likely to do in the future is what they've done in the past. So during the hiring process, the interview process, it's a golden opportunity for you, to, for you to examine what their past has been. Now, typically, we have them fill out an application, a piece of paper, and uh, uh, many employers that I see, they accept everything on that piece of paper as being true and accurate. From my perspective, since my paranoia level's 10 times higher than anyone else's, <laughs> I don't believe a word of it. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I look at it like, what well, you need to demonstrate to me or, or answer questions to me so I could create a higher level of belief that what you, have, what you wrote down is correct. And then I'm going to check to verify it. And if I find during the, uh, the screening process or checking references or checking their background that any of these facts are false, blatantly false, that's a nail in your coffin. You've proven mm. to me that you're dishonest on your face before, before you even start. So how are you going to do once I hire you?
1: So the usual questions will be, you know, where you worked before and and, uh, what you were paid and when you started, when you finished and maybe reason why you're leaving. Is there any other questions? I mean, before we get into checking and, and reference checking and those things, is there any other questions you think that should be on the application form to help us at that stage?
0: Well, I don't know how Australia is compared to the, to the United States, but we have so many regulations in fair employment, and you could hardly we ask. We have a lot here, too. <laughs> it seems like these days you could hardly ask anything without, mm. without stepping over the line or, or, or violating some regulation or something. What's on an application uh, as representing his experience or his training? He's certainly not going to put his last place down where he was fired for theft. Mm. So you have to be concerned about gaps in employment. So if somebody was fired for either being in prison or in jail or fired for for theft or a bad reference, they have to fill in that time gap. So you have to watch and you have to check very carefully when they say that I worked for, let's say, Smith Restaurant for five years, and this is the date I started, here's the date I finished. That's important when you check that reference and you find out that either no, they've never heard of that person or... No, he didn't work there five years. He worked there six months. Well, where was he the other four and a half mm. years? So, mm-hmm. so you got to look for those gaps. So, when you take an application and you hand that application, I mean, that's the perfect time to let them know the importance of this thing being pulled out completely, that it be completely accurate, that you intend to check every single reference. Mm-hmm. So, so, you need proper names of the business. You need the the addresses, the telephone numbers, the names of supervisors. I mean, they should know all that, correct?
1: Yes, yes.
0: So many will say, well, I just don't remember, or they'll, they'll leave the spaces blank. Well, that's not adequate.
1: Mm. They have mm-hmm.
0: to supply this information so you could verify it. So if they are a good employee in their last place of employment, they should be proud to give you all this information. They should know it. And when you check that reference, you would expect to get a glowing uh, recommendation.
1: Mm. And I guess there's a bit of self-selection going on there too, because, uh, you know, if you've got, say, on the on the application form, you know, all details will be checked. There could be, I, I remember, you know, way back when I was a, a restaurant owner, you'd give someone an, an application, you'd say, we'll get you a coffee or something, you come back and they'd, they actually had disappeared. For various reasons, they decided uh, it was going to be a bit tough to work there or something they didn't like, and you wanted to shoo them away right at the beginning, do not you?
0: Ken, Ken, that's called pre-screening.
1: Mm, that's, yeah. a,
0: that's exactly why you do that exercise. Uh, mm, once you're mm. sending them a message that we're looking to hire quality employees, and this is your first test of honesty, really, that mm, you fill out mm. this simple application accurately. We're going to chuck it, and this is your first test. And those that know... Deep down, they're not going to pass the test. They're simply going to disappear. Yeah, That brings up a good point about the people that walk away with the application and then return it later. Uh, It's it's not uncommon to find someone, take the application home or to someone else, and someone else fills it out.
1: Hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And they provide all of their information on it. So if you were to check on the employee who actually filled it out, they might actually have these references. But the person who sat before you when they gave the application could be entirely someone else.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I guess an ID check at that stage too would be quite uh, appropriate. Um, And people who've um, obviously, you know, are not resident in the country, we always do a a visa check and, you know, they bring their passport and those sorts of things. But um, yeah, you've actually raised a a few extra levels of suspicion there that I think it's good for people to hear that just actually for people uh, impersonating someone else.
0: Now you gotta remember I have a very dirty mind, so I, I always think of the worst case scenarios. And some of the things that I say you have to make sure that it's permissible in your country mm. or in your state. Uh some places uh, they don't want you to check identification because of age discrimination or or some other thing. But at some point before making an offer, you could certainly uh get identification or their their tax identification information mm. to verify. Yeah, good good point.
1: So next up then is the training side of things, which has traditionally been about, you know, how we serve and um, what's on the menu and understanding the ingredients and the the questions the customer's going to ask or in the kitchen, you know, our our procedures or in the bar. But what what other elements would you be adding then to the training to set in place our kind of theft prevention procedures as well?
0: Well, this is what I've spent a lifetime and a career doing. All of the things that you just said is is true, depending on the type of business. They typically wanna hire people with training and experience in the type of business that they have or the service that they want the employee to provide. I argue that theft or dishonesty is equally important and that the training process needs to include all of your theft or loss prevention components into every stage of that training. In other words, I want any employee that's handling goods or products to be held accountable. And I believe they need to know from day one that if you're going to be responsible for ringing up sales, that not only do you do it properly, but to know that you're accountable for every transaction, for all the cash being accounted for at Mm at the end of the shift or throughout the day. And same with food. If you're preparing food, then you're going to be responsible and accountable for the food. So that means you're not throwing things in the trash. You're not wasting boiled or, or defective items. They all have to be produced and accounted for. If you're a bartender serving uh, any type of beverage, uh, you're responsible for bar inventory and uh, different components. And you just, mm. you just let them know through every stage that they're responsible. Now, you don't Make it a big deal. You don't treat it like this is a separate issue. It's all part of the operation. It's important, mm. as important as serving the food fresh or at the right temperature, that the cash has to be accounted for. The, uh, the items that you have sold are recorded properly in a POS machine or whatever the device is. And it's just all part of the business. And, mm. and you're accountable uh, throughout the shift. And by the end of the shift, uh, when you punch out to go home, everything really needs to be accountable.
1: And I guess the first time there is an over ring or something like that that's not picked up, you made a mistake with a change or something like that on the till. And uh, people learn pretty quickly that actually, although they said these fine words about uh, accountability, they're not checking. um, And they didn't catch me yesterday when it was an honest mistake. So um, maybe it's not as, uh, this place isn't as tough as I thought it was.
0: And you're exactly right. That's all part of the training, isn't it? You're either Mm. giving them good training about how to do it properly so they're accountable, or you're giving them bad training about how you're so lax and you never check up on them and they're not held accountable, you're training them that here's an open opportunity.
1: Yeah, I like that. It, it, it's a black and white thing. It's good or it's bad. There's no kind of neutral. It, it's it's either we hold you accountable or we ignore your your mistakes and uh, your your, uh, your faults. Well, there's a so, there's a trial mm. and error period in everything.
0: When you train, sure people might make mistakes, but that's an opportunity for training to correct it, mm. uh, to for them to demonstrate that they understand the proper procedure and the reason why is so. You're able to show that you're accountable and you're doing things correctly and you're accountable for all of the items that you're responsible for. And some people, frankly, are not capable of accepting the training or they're not capable of executing the training. They might not have a dishonest bone in their body, but all of their mistakes are still causing loss. And that's yeah, a, that's yeah. not a workable solution.
1: Mm. They're clumsy. Yeah, they don't have the, the the food preparation skills, or they don't have the speed, or they don't have the numeracy skills. I mean, this is a, a massive thing that I uh, I find in a lot of restaurants. People just don't know how to count or divide. Or they, I think everyone pretty much knows how to give change because you know from the first moment we hand, handle money as a child, we kind of have that <laughs> instilled into us. But yeah, the faults with money and counting are often very. Uh, Common, And that's why, you know, I like to see the point of sale doing most of that work for people. And that's about insisting that people use the point of sale. They put the, you know, if I'm given a $20 note, I have to put, you know, put that in as the amount tendered so I can uh, put it in. And that means people have to just take, you know, a few seconds longer to do it accurately. It's uh, a challenge sometimes.
0: Well, I think technology has made us lazy. And we've uh, forgotten some of those old school skills that you had mm-hmm. to learn. mm mm-hmm. Uh, Now they rely too heavily on technology and when the technology fails or someone gives them a note plus extra pocket chain, it completely screws them up. They cannot
1: calculate
0: in their head. And Uh it it goes through at every level. If we're talking about weights, if we're talking about measurements or drinks or whatever the item is, counting in vendors that are making deliveries to your restaurant or to your facility, and you're responsible for checking in that vendor. I mean, just basic counting and uh, accountability and proper documentation can mean the difference between a good solid system or a completely flawed system.
1: Yeah. So, so that's a, an interesting point about how technology made us lazy because one of the questions I was interested in for your observation is how the, prob- the prevention techniques have changed in the last few years. So. We're relying on these super-posed machines and handhelds and stock-taking handhelds and all these things to do work that, once we did manually, are you seeing that actually that's giving rise to more opportunities for, say, theft and mistakes?
0: Well, what technology has done, it's eliminated employees. It's eliminated jobs. A machine or a device now could do the job of maybe what one, two, three, five, ten people did you know, in years gone by. Mm. Uh, now they rely on a machine to do it but the machine is is vulnerable because a lot of the data points are inserted by by man i mean for example prices in in a pos machine somebody had to insert what those prices are for for drinks for food whatever it is well if that item is was input wrong to begin with every time you scan it or use some device to read it it's going to input the information incorrectly and since there's nobody looking at it manually or double checking, the mistake could be compounded for weeks or months before it's caught, or before you do an inventory, and all of a yeah. sudden your food uh, mm. costs are way out of line, or your inventory is way out of balance, and it's simply because of a some data error that no one caught.
1: Mm. And there'll be employees who also know how to manipulate these. One uh, one of the things I always warn people about is the training key on a, a POS, which is there for a reason, so you can do some transactions with someone that's not you know not real transactions. And sure enough, recently I was sitting at a coffee shop on a Sunday, and I could see all uh, the. The bill I got had tea down on the side of everything. You know, the, the manager was running the whole day <laughs> or, yeah. or whatever period in trading mode. So that was just going to completely disappear.
0: But uh, yeah, oh, I, no I, I could tell you just hundreds and hundreds of stories of supervisors and managers who take advantage of a high turnover situation and always blame the losses and mistakes on all these employees that are coming and going. And, mm. it's, a, and it's a manager that's doing all the skimming.
1: Mm. So let's talk about you know hiring training and supervision is the the third part of your big picture. Tell us some more about the you know how, how we need to take a fresh look at supervision and, and who you know how they supervise as well as who the supervisor is.
0: Well, the supervisor is really the key. that's kind of the glue that kind of holds it all together. You could put together the the best policy and procedure man, uh, manual in the world and have all of these systems in place that have cross-checking each other manually and electronically and really, really have it together. But if your manager is lazy, they're not dishonest, they're just lazy, and they don't require people to follow policies, procedures, follow through with all of the systems and cross-checks, then it all falls apart, and the employees pick up on that really quickly, and they'll start taking advantage of it. Then there's a loss. The employees use that in their defense. They go, "Wait a second! I couldn't have taken it because you have this in place, or you have this Mm. video Mm -hmm. system in place, or you got this POS system. How how Mm. can I possibly be responsible?" (laughs) And
1: there's this this uh, endless uh, talk about team and teamwork and supporting the team and all yeah. those sorts of things, which on one level it makes sense, but that's another way why we can use, you know, for excuses and reasons why we didn't, uh, you know, the supervisor doesn't confront an issue too. The supervisor doesn't em- confront an employee who's out of line with something.
0: So uh, that's why I said it all goes together. That that supervisor who, or your current manager, was hired some time ago as your brand new employee, and that's where it started. If he was hired properly from the beginning, you start off with the best quality applicant you can, and then you train that person thoroughly, and you supervise them very, very closely, very strictly. Uh, You make sure that that employee understands all the rules, all the regulations, all the procedures, all the systems is dedicated to keeping really high standards by the time that person's promoted to a supervisor or a manager you know they got it
1: mm.
0: and then you need them to follow through again just like they did from the first day they hired an individual all the way up the, the chain that they're they're taught high standards they're ha- they're held to a high level of accountability and you're creating future supervisors but guess mm. what
1: at the end of it you have a very tight ship mm. And we're, I guess the, the personality type we're looking for there, too, is someone who is more of a conformist, too, who, you know, actually likes to please the boss and likes to do it the neat way and likes, you know, all those 20 boxes to have a tick against them. And sometimes, you know, in the, the crazy restaurant world, people are a bit on the creative side and uh, <laughs> they bucket that against that sort of thing.
0: That, that's the trick. How do you find that? Person, how do you find mm. that perfect employee, especially in a really competitive market? And that's where all these other aspects come in about pay scale and benefits, and and is it a fun place to work or a challenging yeah. place to work? Is there a career opportunity? I mean, there's so many moving parts. Mm. Uh, I, I don't profess to know all the answers. I mm. I could certainly I could talk a good game. I could oversimplify all of this for you.
1: But when you make it a great place to work, and there are all the benefits, you know, in in different ways, some of them, not, many of them, may not be financial. But that's people are prepared to uh, knuckle down with, you know, the the what they may think is over bureaucratic or you know, extra checks and balances, and you know, the closing up procedures take longer than anywhere else I've worked but we still do it because uh, there's other reasons why we we just put up with it.
0: You know, that's the advantage with with my business for the last 31 years. I mean, I've worked with thousands of different types of places and I see the places that are that are very stable, they have employees that have worked there for 20 years and mm. and they all have things in common. They have very high standards. And the, guess what? The best employees don't mind those standards. They don't know mm. they don't know any better.
1: Yeah, yes. This is the way
0: they are taught from day one. This is the way we do business. We're all accountable. We're all in this together. We want to keep this place viable so we can keep our jobs. They're paid a decent wage. They have decent benefits. They like their boss. They like the people they work with. And the last thing they'd ever do is steal or watch somebody around them commit theft.
1: So it's very easy to start, you know, be part of a whole culture of banditry or whatever you call it, you know, just kind of grubbiness, really. Yeah. It's, uh,
0: yeah. So that so that kind of takes us back. When you get away from the technical stuff, it, a lot of it comes down to attitude. Mm. I mean, there's a, uh, as I started to say when we started off, there's a, a certain percentage of people that are thieves from day one. They just have a, a thieving personality. They're just dishonest at their core. And they'll probably be that way to the day they die. On the other extreme, there are people that it would never cross their mind for a moment to take something that didn't belong Mm. to them or be dishonest at a place of employment. It just wouldn't occur to them. So there's a whole range in between. Mm. So for most people, the vast majority of employees, if you give them structure, and I'm not talking about a little structure, a lot of structure, everything they do has a structure to it. I'm not talking about inefficient once you learn Mm. that structure Mm. you learn that system you become efficient in it after a while you don't know any different that's Mm. just the way we do things Mm. and Mm. that way everybody working together on the same exact structure we're not wasting a lot of time we don't have a lot of waste we don't have a lot of uh, losses therefore our budget is strong our sales are strong our product quality is high our turnover is low so our
1: Mm. And the uh, boss smiles at us instead of growls at us too. Usually.
0: It's just either, it's either an upward spiral where you're doing everything mm. right, or it's a downward spiral where everything's going in the toilet.
1: Mm. Okay, so again, there's, it's, it's a black and white. It's you're going up or you're going down. There's no just kind of uh, treading water in neutral. Yeah. Well,
0: there is, and I, I'm sorry to say that most businesses I see out there are treading water or are in the process of failing, mm. simply because <laughs> it's, it's simpler and this is for the managers and the middle managers and the shift managers. It's simpler for them to do as little as possible. Mm. And if they feel just slightly disgruntled, they feel they didn't they didn't get the raise they wanted, or the benefit they wanted, or the hours they wanted. Just just put off just a little bit. Uh, then they're looking for some justification to get that extra bonus, whatever it is. And and mm. there and there it starts.
1: Mm. Now, at the beginning, you gave that example of the donut shop with the uh, employee who's set up a nice uh, little uh, business of his own there. And you've said, one of the things I read on your website, which I thought was interesting, you took, you know, quite a hard line, you know, one way of reducing employee theft and motivation to show a deep commitment to prevent losses at every level and a desire to prosecute thieves. So it's not just about, you know, come and see me in my office, you know, I'm very disappointed and I've picked this up and what's the explanation? It's actually a desire to, to get the police involved. Can you just to ex- expand on that a little? Because that, that's when a lot of employees, you know, uh, so the um, owners of small businesses would start to get very nervous about the whole disruption of that and the, what would he be involved?
0: I don't remember the article referring to or where I took that hardline approach <laughs>
1: I I like it. Don't worry. I like it. Well, no, no, I'm
0: not not backing (laughs) away from that. I've uh, investigated many major crimes and conspiracies. I've arrested many, many people and caused them to be in jail We've filed civil lawsuits Uh against many employees. Uh, There are some really bad situations. Like I say, when I get called in, it's already hit the fan. We're talking about thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in losses. And if I'm able to get to the bottom of it, with a particular employee, you've got to go after mm-hmm. them hardcore.
1: Yeah. Because uh, everyone else is watching. How yeah. are they hand, going to handle this? Are they going to be soft like they've been the last 20 times? They are. <laughs> or, and and, and or even, are they going to take a stand? And even the other ones where I have
0: surveillance videos set up, for example, and, well, let me give you a restaurant story. So this is mm-hmm. a restaurant show. company hired me in a very upscale restaurant. You, Your listeners would not know the chain if I said it, but I won't. They're having tremendous cash losses and they couldn't get to the bottom of it. So I brought in a team of 10 people. I placed these 10 people at about four different tables, all belonging to this one waiter. I gave them all money where we marked the money and we recorded the serial numbers. They all bought lunch, paid with cash. I had hidden video surveillance cameras and I already pretty much knew what was going to happen just based mm. on experience. And this guy didn't let me down. He, uh, he took those checks. There was no numerical, uh, numbers of checks. There was no accountability of sales checks. There was no, uh, cross-referencing uh, on the POS system or anything. So this, uh, waiter simply did not ring up any of the sales. And when he, and, uh, he would he got access to the, uh, the POS system and he was able to open the drawer without entering a transaction. And, uh, he wouldn't make any change necessary, but he would just literally pocket all the money. Mm, mm. So right after that, we just swept him off the floor. We took him down to an office. He had all every mark bill on in his pocket.
1: Mm. So you called the police? Oh, then? absolutely.
0: Have, yeah, called yeah. the police. Had uh-huh. him had him arrested. And that that not only shot through this particular restaurant, but throughout the chain within a matter of two days. Yeah, it was everywhere. Uh huh. And why.
1: did other people then quit? Were other people leaving? Were the should the rats leaving the ship in that, that unit or? Uh...
0: Well, there, there was yeah. The answer is yes, but we can't correlate it necessarily to that. Mm. But as you can imagine, there was a major crackdown in policy and and in supervision and uh, some extra steps in place to make sure that these these transactions were were accountable and that. Uh-huh. But once they knew that now there is something going on where we're being watched and there's surveillance and there's There's heavy penalties. Boy, did that make a difference?
1: Yeah, I bet. So we're talking cash there. What what were the the steps missing that that um, that chain was not putting in place? Well, what what were the missing bits in the cash? You know, the cash management there.
0: There there was no steps. Uh, There was no accountability via. Mm Uh, the manager of the restaurant at night or the next morning would simply pull all the the, uh, sales checks that were turned in, manual sales checks that were turned in. He'd count the cash and balance it. But guess what? If the sales checks aren't there, then he does not everything
1: balances.
0: So he was balancing perfectly. In fact, he was coming up over, which he was really happy about that he had cash overages. Little, Little does he know, that's a giant red flag when you have cash overages, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was just a case of a very poor manager. He wasn't trained. Here we go back mm. to the hiring, training, and supervision again. He, yeah. he missed the boat. He was put in a position of management without having the the proper training and ability, and he wasn't held accountable mm. for these losses until I was brought in. And then unfortunately, it, uh, the investigation was his demise as well, because it, it showed all of the shortcomings that were in place.
1: Mm. So one one of the things I remember at my uh, restaurant, which was near a university, and uh, I was, I love numbers, I love spreadsheets and all that, but I also know that if I get bogged down in that, it's not going to happen. What I want is all the numbers brought together on, on I call it a dashboard, you know, a, a weekly or daily reports. And one uh, thing I found a great help was, you know, the Sydney University, there was several thousand accounting students now these are people who love numbers they have numbers for breakfast okay not necessarily the best big personalities to be a waiter but i would have uh, a student they'd work two nights a week and they would come and do all the, the boring counting. They would reconstruct docket books. Everyone, every staff, well, there's one staff member got audited every week, all their docket books had to be reconstructed. And, and of course, all the other stuff too, like, you know, invoices checked against statements to see the credits had happened. Again, all well, it's boring stuff, but they're constantly, they got satisfaction with picking up inconsistencies and picking up things, and they would give me the, the bullets if I needed to fire them, but uh, I was re- really pleased to, it uh, was recommended to me by a friend, you know, to use uh, these students as a great source of this kind of checking labour, because that's sometimes, you know, people, wage costs are always high, and sometimes that's the, an area we want to economise on, that, that sort of separate um, checking staff for things.
0: But that procedure and that system served many purposes. All of your wait staff were knew that this type of accounting was going on, and they were going to be yep. held accountable so mm. it it, uh, it paid dividends beyond probably the intended purpose
1: yes, yeah, it did for sure and you know occasionally i would you know one of the students would uh, i 'd always have international students too because i didn't want locals. Working in my business and knowing all about my business, and uh, you know the students were from all over the world, but you know they had their heads down. They worked really hard, but uh, you know that's, a, wanted... that's an interesting point. Once you start bringing in international
0: people, their their culture and the way they do business may be entirely different than yours. Their standards mm. might be much much higher than yours as far as accountability and regulations, or much or might be extremely low or non-existent. Yes. So, yeah. so you—it's very difficult when you have an operation with a, a multicultural staff mm. that when you lay out just one system or one policy and one training program, that some are not going to get it.
1: Yeah, that's a good point because, you know, the restaurant industry, you know, hospitality is, you know, the internet, it's the United Nations in every country and uh, we've got to make sure that people understand, you know, what, what we mean by accounting and honesty and accountability and all those sorts of things and, well, uh, I, and explain it in, in every way possible. I've, I've worked all over the world, Ken, and,
0: and believe me, everybody knows what dishonesty is. Mm. Every single person knows. If they're stealing cash, if they're stealing food, if they're... They're eating food on the job. They know they're not supposed to. They all know that. It's just their values sometimes differ widely as to... Yeah,
1: and I think sometimes... I know. remember one uh, girl from Hong Kong who did the job for a couple of years. She was so serious, and I'm a pretty lighthearted kind of guy, and I knew when I sat down with Amy, I really needed to be serious because she took this so seriously. and if I would make you know jokes about something or whatever, she, she didn't understand. It's like this is serious, this is money, this is your business and it was important to me to kind of match that and, and good for me you know because again, you know and in, in hospitality we're dealing with so much money, so much cash going through a business 10, 20, 30, 100000 yeah. dollars every week. It's just staggering amounts compared to what we're paying uh, these individuals. And, and I, you know, and I, I don't care
0: when you tell me that. I'm not intimidated when you tell me that because that's usually the number one reason why a place is out of control. The manager tries to tell me that it is so busy and we have so many things going on that we can't possibly keep up. Well, mm, mm-hmm. that's, that's the reason why I'm here is because you believe that. And you allow that to happen and that's absolutely not true if you're that busy and it's that chaotic then there are systems there are ways of bringing that into control
1: yeah and and, and, te- and technology can be one of those things to yeah. smooth out some of those things to give us more things to check manually in a sense yeah
0: now you know what mm. i what i've seen in some of the best run uh restaurants and, and hotels and bars uh, all around the world is uh I started off by by being real strict about the hiring process, coming in, getting that right person. Well, there's also an exit door. And when they leave, those very good employees need to know that there's something at the end of of the trail here, that when you leave, Mm -hmm. I'm going to write you the best letter of recommendation that you're going to be able to put on your resume going forward, or while you're working for me, I'm going to give you opportunity to gain certifications in certain areas that you could build on, you know, put on your resume. Mm. Mm. And, and build towards your career and and that's worth a
1: lot yeah detailed, uh, so, yeah, detailed uh, reference you know bullet points to 20 yeah. or 10 bullet points not just you know <laughs> cooperative and helpful and all the rest it's uh so yeah, you so you want to so you want to create
0: point. that understanding that you take care of
1: me while you're here i'll take care of you after you leave mm. excellent well it's been a great conversation chris really enjoyed uh, drawing on your many years of experience and uh yeah every example you've given i know is uh, backed up by uh, you know lots of uh, lots of grubby situations you've seen and helped to clean up it's really been uh, fantastic so just tell us about uh, where people can find you and listen to you well my new thing i like
0: to introduce people to is called crimeschool.com it's a podcast much like you are doing where i talk about my side of the the, the business about uh, crime and loss prevention and and liability issues that affects commercial properties and and business operators so that's audio format crimeschool.com i also have a uh, text-based uh, website called crimedoctor.com it's all one word crimedoctor.com that's been online since 1996 so a long
1: time and lots of articles about mm, it's their- a goldmine. mine I, I went through uh, quite a lot of stuff in preparing for today it's it's a brilliant site yeah Excellent. Well, thanks so much. Really uh, great to have this conversation with you. It, it brought back some uh, good memories and some uh, you know, things I learned from as a restaurant operator uh, years ago. Thanks. thanks, Chris. That's
0: terrific. Ken, you're doing good stuff with your, with your podcast here. Keep it up. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I try to present a variety of educational topics, but keeping with the theme of making places safe for people and property. The subject matter of Crime School is influenced by your feedback, so I encourage you to tell me about your ideas for future discussion. I'm always looking for a guest. If you have a particular crime or loss prevention expertise, you have a special legal background about liability, you have an interesting crime prevention product to review, or if you're a crime victim with a motivating story and outcome to share, I want to talk to you. Now, I'm not very active on social media. I'm old. What could I say? I don't quite get it, but I'm trying to learn. Meanwhile, I appreciate those who are active in social media to share these episodes to attract others who may want to learn and benefit from this content. In fact, if you have an iTunes account and you want to help others find Crime School, please leave us a five-star rating and review. That will really help us be discovered. I invite you to join the Crime School community. We're all like-minded people. You could provide your email address on any webpage, any opt-in form on the Crime School website. In this way, you'll receive immediate notification of any new audio or video episodes published, or any special events for that matter. Thank you for participating in Crime School and for doing your part in making places safe.
1: This is the Crime School Radio Show with your host, Chris McGoey.
0: We invite you to comment on today's topic and join the Crime School community.
1: For more information and show notes from this episode, please visit crimeschool.com.